we've got a few things to learn in chapter 10 and then uh, just start going downhill be a lot easier uh, in 10th chapter this is number six the contrast between unattainable legal righteousness and the righteousness of faith is offering salvation on feasible terms uh, the righteousness that people tried to attain in the Old Testament versus the righteousness of God is revealed in the New Testament. That's what it comes down to. Uh, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they, they may be saved. In the future tense, that they may be saved. They're not saved. At least not the majority. And the majority, of course, have rejected the Christ. Uh, notwithstanding, Paul uh, has a very special place in his heart for these people. He was just like them not too long before. Uh, he rejected Christ. Uh, he was a devout Jew. He understood where they were coming from. Uh, and he, he felt for them, felt uh, very deeply for them, and he wished that they could be saved. I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but the problem is it's not according to knowledge. Uh, they have zeal without knowledge, and this is very prevalent today. Uh, I would say the, the great majority of Protestant religious people, as well as Roman Catholics, uh, have zeal. Well, <laughs> those who have zeal do so without knowledge. Uh, zeal without knowledge uh, equals in the final analysis that you'll be ignorant of how God actually makes people righteous. And that's the way pe things are. Uh, people uh, uh, are not, uh, are not uh, following the knowledge that God has given. Uh, rather, they're following something else. Uh, and because they're not following the knowledge that God has provided for us, uh, they are not in a position to attain the righteousness of God. Before you can attain the righteousness of God, you've got to have knowledge. And without that knowledge, uh, you can't achieve that goal. And that's what Paul's pointing out. In verse 3, he goes on to say, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, they're ignorant of it because that comes through knowledge. And that's what they don't have seeking to establish their own righteousness they wanted to be pleasing or acceptable to god they didn't know how to attain god's righteousness therefore they established their own system of righteousness we see it today a lot of people in the church are uh, without knowledge and when they talk about salvation the thing that comes to their mind always is baptism as though that's a, a, a magical act that people perform and if you've been baptized you shall be saved in the minds of so many too many is that is the righteousness of God and that's not the righteousness of God but the problem is when a person settles on their own form of righteousness they're no longer looking for God's righteousness and that's why you have a, an ongoing problem it's always been this way the religious world has always been this way and it's still this way today. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. Uh, humanity remains the same from the beginning to the end. We just change our clothes. We change the cars we drive. But um, other than that, we're the same as people have always been. 
these people sought to establish their own form of righteousness because they wanted to uh, please God. They wanted to find salvation. So they came up with an idea. This is how we'll do it. This is how it can be done. The Israelites sought a way of justification. They wanted to be justified, pardoned, forgiven. They didn't know how to do it. Therefore, they established their own system. Number one, this means they ignored some parts of the law, which is what they did. To them, these parts seemed unnecessary. They didn't have anything to do with anything, so they just ignored it. Secondly, they adhered to some parts of the law, even though they misunderstood what they were uh, subscribing to. Baptism, for example, a lot of people accept baptism for remission of sins as uh, a doctrinal truth. But even though they've established and accepted it, they don't understand what it is or why it is. Uh, they have no uh, real understanding. You can have knowledge without understanding and you wind up with nothing. There has to be understanding. Then thirdly, uh, they added some things that seemed necessary, especially like washings. They were big on washings. Uh, they had more laws in the Talmud uh, the teachings of the rabbis they had more laws in uh, they had more laws from the rabbis than they had from God and these were the laws that they adhered to they didn't understand divine law they didn't they didn't know where it was going or what it would do so they established their own system if we do this we will be righteous God will approve of us they were wrong okay and that's what Paul's trying to talk about. <clears throat> they, had a, they had zeal, which was very important, but it wasn't based on knowledge. Uh, they wanted to please God, but they didn't listen to what God had to say and follow the route God had described to win his favor. They, they were void of knowledge. And being ignorant of God's righteousness, i.e. how God makes people righteous, if you're ignorant of it, you can't be a partaker of it. And uh, the, the, the knowledge of uh, the righteousness of God only comes through knowledge. So if you don't have the knowledge, you can't have the, the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God, of course, is how God makes us righteous, how he makes us uh, uh, approved in his eyes. But if I don't know how he does it, how can I be a part of it? That's the problem you're left with when you're void of knowledge. Therefore, they sought to establish their own righteousness, that is, man's own righteousness. And this, you can see, is the problem today, or any generation as far as that goes. That little chart right there describes the whole thing. Uh, it's, it's easy to... Uh, to grasp because it's so simple but at the same time it is so very comprehensive they have not submitted to the righteousness of God because they could not therefore they submitted to a, a righteousness of their own making okay and this is uh, this is sad Paul said I, I, I bear them witness they really 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 want to do well but they can't because they won't listen to the Lord. <clears throat> you take away knowledge and you take away God's righteousness or pardon, forgiveness, 
however you want to look at it. But you've got zeal for God. Well, what are you going to do with it? What's the source of your zeal? Well, that's where man's own righteousness comes in. Uh, man's own way of making himself righteous. And it's found in a form of a man-made religion. If you, um, if you follow uh, our rules, you will attain the righteousness of God. Why do they teach that? Because they don't know the righteousness of God. And they've got nothing left to teach except for what they can concoct. Therefore, they do. So it comes down to a choice. You have man-made religion. You can be a part of a denominational body if you choose to. Uh, all the denominational bodies will tell you that they can get you to heaven, that if you join their party, uh, you can be approved by God. God will love you. God will forgive you. That's what they'll tell you, uh, all of them without exception. You can, you can listen to what they say. You can follow them if that's what you choose to do, or you can turn to God's book and acquire knowledge that he has given. And through his book, you can discover what the righteousness of God really is. If you want to be pardoned, if you want to be God's friend, the Bible will reveal the way to you. So you've got a choice. On the one hand, you can accept what people have to say. Or on the other hand, you can look at the Bible for yourself and see what God has to say. You know, it's our choice what we, we choose to do. Of course, we advocate that all people search the scriptures, that they take no man's word for anything, including this man. Uh, we need to uh, investigate and make sure that what I say is what God has said. That's one of the reasons why we're so big on uh, chapter uh, and verse uh, proof to buttress our, our words so we can prove our teacher and make sure the teacher is saying what God has revealed. Uh, it's something that all people should do. It's very important that we do it for a lot of reasons. But uh, just to know the truth is, uh, of course, at the top of the list. So we find that we have a choice between the two. We can uh, subscribe to what men say. We can subscribe to what the Lord says. And that is, of course, mammon or God. You cannot serve both. Jesus said you can only serve one or the other and you have to make a decision uh, with the God that people would turn to God to find the answers to their questions because the answers are there. Uh, takes little effort on our part but uh, we can know the truth and that truth will indeed set us free. Are there any questions over this? It's a very short little statement he makes but it's very very comprehensive it's very comprehensive this I think is the downfall of religion in the world today too many people are, are too willing to blindly follow blind teachers and of course Jesus said when people do that they're all going to wind up in the ditch and it's uh, it's sad it's the easy way but it's not the safe way That's a whole lot of it, yeah. That's probably the most of it. Uh, you got When you're talking about the Word of God, there's a lot of things you have to take into consideration. And one of those things 
that you must take into consideration is the fact that a lot of people don't like what God has said. When you talk about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, according to the scriptures, I guarantee people will get angry. Uh, I've seen that throughout the course of my life. And the reason uh, they get angry, number one, either they're living in adultery, or number two, their children are, in most cases. And because their children are living in adultery and they can't get their children out of adultery, the, the obvious conclusion is, is that their, their destiny, eternal destiny, is going to be condemnation. And people don't like that. They don't want to hear it. And they'll pay somebody to tell them something different. And there's always somebody who will who take your money and give you what you want. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's a big part of it. People don't, don't like uh, the will of God. Like most of it, yes, but some of it, no. There's always some of it that's bad. But uh, I think that's the primary reason. Uh, what I had in my mind as I was discussing this was people who, who wanted to please God from an honest and sincere heart. They, they really do. There are a lot of people in religions today who are very sincere in their attempt to win the favor of God. That's what they want to do so very badly. The problem is, for so many, is that they don't know that the way to win the divine favor is revealed to them through scriptures. For example, uh, I don't know what the Catholic Church is doing now, but when I was a kid and went to the Catholic Church, uh, they, they frowned on our studying the Bible. Uh, we were supposed to be taught, but not investigate on our own. Uh, so there's a lot of people, they, they think it's wrong to study the Bible. A lot of people are uh, of the belief that the only people that can understand the Bible are those who have been anointed whatever that means in modern terminology, uh, the, the, the anointed speaker like me, uh, I can understand it and then I can explain it to you, but you haven't been anointed, therefore you can't understand it. There's so many beliefs out there, it's hard to pinpoint any one thing because there's, there's just way too many beliefs. But uh, there are a lot of honest and sincere people that's one of the reasons why it's so important that we live and practice the Word of God. Always. Always. You know, someone says, well, I, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a teacher. You don't have to be a teacher to teach. Uh, all you have to do is practice what we preach, what we believe. Uh, if, you, if you practice what we believe, I, I guarantee you, you're going to catch people's attention. They're going to look at you and you're going to bother them because there's something about you that's going to be different. And they're going to see that there's something about you that's different. And it's going to be uh, somewhat disturbing. And they're going to question you ultimately about your religion. And then it's just a matter of talking about what I believe, what you believe. Uh, how, come, how, come, how come you seem so content? with your religious life, and then you can explain it to other people. Uh, there, there are so many people, um, oh, I'm sorry, I am in so much pain. <laughs> there are so many people um, 
who uh, need help. That, that's what they need is help. They got the desire. They need a guide. And uh, if, if we get the opportunity to, to guide others, we should jump on it with both feet because uh, we're talking about the eternal destiny of a soul. And uh, there's nothing more precious than that. So uh, living, living out the will of God and learning and understanding why we, we believe what we do, uh, that, that knowledge that you have within you uh, is going to be exposed to others. Uh, the Lord arranges those encounters. Uh, and he does so quite often, really. Is there anything else? But those are the people I had on my mind, Sean. Primarily, uh, people just don't like the will of God. That's no doubt the, the biggest reason of all. I like most of it. I just don't like all of it. Okay, I got to get. That they say on the A team, I gotta get on the jazz. I get on the jazz, my adrenaline gets to pumping, and I can't feel pain. So I gotta, I gotta get my adrenaline pumping here. Uh, seeking the traditional way of righteousness, which is the way they were taught by the fathers, they were unable to submit to the righteousness of God. Uh, they thought they had already done that, and they're not gonna, you're not going to look to do something you've already done. Assuming their father's way of righteousness was true, the Jews could, with clear conscience, close their eyes and ears to anything that contradicted rabbinical traditions, that is, their law. They could, they could turn Jesus off without any sense of wrongdoing because they were convinced that what they had been taught was true. This is why they remain ignorant of God's righteousness. You have to keep an open mind and an open heart uh, you've got to be willing to consider uh, the observations of others because sometimes they can shed a lot of light. Many are in darkness today because they too are holding to the traditions, the teachings of their fathers. Uh, all religions are guilty of it. Uh, it's natural. Uh, we raise our children, and our children do what they do so many times because that's what their mom and daddy does. They've been around us. Uh, they've learned this way, and they, they, they obey the gospel, not necessarily because they believe in God, but maybe because they believe in us. And uh, we have to teach our children ourselves so that they can know for themselves God and uh, follow him because they know that this is indeed the way of God. Then their relationship is with God and not so much with us. That's, uh, that's very important. I think as a parent, it's a very hard job, but it's, uh, it's one we have to engage in. You gotta give your kids an uh, opportunity to disagree with you. I used to tell my children they can disagree with me about anything and I wouldn't get mad and if it got nasty I'd get upset. But if they just questioned something I believed, that was okay. That was okay. In Mark 7, 6-13, the Lord said to the Jews, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you 
hypocrites. Hypocrite is a play actor, uh, like a movie star. That's a hypocrite, according to the Greek word. They pretend to be something you're not. Uh, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching his doctrines, the commandment as men. Because they teach as doctrines, teach as the truth, uh, the teachings of men. Therefore, when they come together and they worship together, their worship is in vain. God doesn't accept it. You have to worship in spirit and truth, not according to human teaching. For laying aside the commandment of God, and they just pushed it out of the way, you hold to the tradition of men, men uh, especially popular with a Jew, was the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. These uh, human traditions were much more important than the will of God to the average Jew, who considered himself a follower of God. And then he said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your tradition. That's what was most important, the tradition. Uh, the commandment of God, they just laid it aside, laid it out of the way, and uh, went full steam ahead following the traditions. For Moses said, and he's talking about one of them they laid aside, Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. And that's a pretty stiff penalty. Obviously, it's a very important matter. Honor your father and your mother, and if you do not, uh, you shall be put to death. But in spite of what Moses said, you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corbin, that is a gift from God, whatever I may have spent to assist you in your old age, I'm going to give that as a gift to God, to the temple treasury, uh, and then they would be released from their obligation. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother, because what he would do for his father or mother now belongs to God. Making the word of God of no effect. The word of God, what God intended, honor your father and your mother, uh, he put there for a reason. They didn't have social security system, so they used the child-parent system. When parents got old and they couldn't make their own way, it was the obligation of the children to help the parents live on till they died. Well, that was what God wanted, was to care for the elderly. But they made that law of no effect by their law because putting money into the temple treasury was much more important than sustaining your elderly parents. You make the word of God of no effect through your tradition which you have handed down. The traditions, they always take precedence over the law of God. It always works that way. When you, when you talk about um, j just baptism for remission of sins, you know, a seventh grader can understand it. It's very simple. Uh, there's no difficulty to it at all. If you just take it at face value. But notwithstanding, uh, people have wrestled with that very simple instruction and have set it aside 
and developed another way of obtaining forgiveness of sins. In most cases, all you have to do is pray to God. If you, the preacher on TV says, if you pray to God with me, you will be forgiven of your sins. You will be a child of God. Well, God never made that promise. He never said any such a thing. But the preacher on TV, he assures everybody that if they'll do what he tells them to do, they will be saved. Well, how is he going to honor his promise? He can't, obviously. But people put the tradition ahead of the word of God. And many other such things they were guilty of doing. Uh, basically, the Lord just pointed out what I've been saying for the last 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, is that people uh, do what they want to do. Even in religion. <clears throat> for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Uh, seeking after righteousness. Where do you find the righteousness of God? Well, Christ is it. He is the end of the law. He is the answer. He is the conclusion. The entirety of 4,000 years endeavor of man to find God. And when Christ came into the world, they had what they were looking for. He was the righteousness of God to everyone who believes. That was the condition that God placed among people. You must believe in him. You had a law which had a beginning and an end. He's talking specifically, of course, about the law of Moses. The law of Moses began 1450, 1500 B.C. Okay, God gave the law through Moses. The Jewish people, the Israelites, I should say, started living by that law. Uh, that was the beginning of it. But that law had an end. There was a day coming when that law would be terminated. It was leading to a certain point in the future and that point was Christ that's where the law was headed and it was leading the Israelite people to Christ and Christ is the righteousness of God he lived a perfect life offered himself up as a living sacrifice to pay for the sins of all peoples and those who believe and believe in him uh, can attain the righteousness of God he is the end of the law. He is the intent of the law. He is what the law was all about. He's the fulfillment of the law. And they rejected him. How sad that was. How sad that was. Their, their Messiah came and they, they missed him. In Galatians 3, 24 and 5, Paul said, Therefore the law was our tutor. The word tutor at that time meant domestic manager, guardian. Um, Galatians 4, 1 and 2, if you want to read it sometime. Um, the, uh, the manager, uh, there was a slave uh, who uh, his job was to take care of one or more children of the master of the house. Uh, <clears throat> whatever the number was, it was the responsibility of this slave to make sure that the children uh, in the morning arose, uh, were dressed, uh, were fed breakfast, uh, and got off to school. They would take them to school. 
and then after their day at school was over, the, the slave would bring the child back home, and uh, he would uh, occupy the, the children's attention in some way until it came time for them to go to bed. He was their uh, caregiver, you may say, in all respects. He was uh, a tutor, okay? That was his job. He, he is likened today, or I should say back about 50 years ago or more, probably 100 years now. I've got to quit saying 50 years. That's <laughs> turned into 100 now. About, back about when they first come out with school buses, uh, all the preachers were likening this tutor unto a school bus driver. Uh, the school bus driver would load the kids up on his bus and he would carry them to school. Well, that, and they would tell the church, they would say this is what the tutor was. It was his uh, obligation to, to carry the children to school, like a, like a school bus driver today will carry children to school, uh, to bring us to Christ. Well, not to school, of course, but to Christ. The law was a tutor, our school bus driver, uh, and its purpose was to bring us to Christ, okay? Why? Because Christ is the end of the law. He's the end of the line, so to speak. That we might be justified by faith. When he brought us to Christ, the possibility of finding justification became a reality. And how was it attained? It was attained by faith, by believing that Jesus lived, uh, died, and, and rose again. Uh, those who believed would find justification, pardon, forgiveness of sin. But after faith has come, he asks, or says, we are no longer under a tutor. Well, that's logical. If, if the slave's job is to carry the, the child to school and the child grows up and becomes a man, well, obviously, the, the tutor's job is over with. He's a grown man now. You don't care for a grown man. And, and Paul is pointing out that the same is true when it came to the law. When, once faith had come, which was the end of the law, we are no longer under a tutor. We are no longer under the law. And that, of course, uh, is taught by Paul in Colossians 2.14. He says that the law was uh, nailed to the cross. So the law had to come to an end. The Jews really misunderstood the law. Uh, the law was, uh, it was a perfect law in every sense of the word. It did everything it was supposed to do. And if you do, if it does everything it's supposed to do, it, you can't make it better than that, okay? That's as good as it gets. And the law was as good as it could be because God gave the law. And God doesn't make junk. Sometimes people have, uh, I think, misunderstood this a little bit. Uh, they talk about the fault of the law. The law had no fault. Uh, what it was missing was uh, the ability to justify man. Because you got a law, and it's up to us to live by the law. And if we violate the law, we become sinners. We're no longer justified. Well, it's not the law's fault that we violated it. That's our fault. So you can't blame the law for our inability or lack of desire, I guess, 
to uh, live by the law. That's uh, something we did. There was nothing wrong with the law. Uh, it did what it was supposed to do. It began, it ended, it led the people of Israel, actually led the people of the world uh, to Christ. And when Christ came, there was no longer a need for a law uh, because uh, the end of the law had been achieved and now righteousness was available through the blood of Christ uh, for those who believe. That's what Paul's talking about anyway in Romans 10. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The righteousness which is of the law. Well, I'm not going to talk about that. It'd be too long. <clears throat> For the Israelite, the man who does those things shall live by them. The righteousness of the law. You got to live by the law perfectly. That's the righteousness of the law. You can't sin. You got to live by it perfectly without fault. That's the righteousness of the law. The law will declare you righteous if you never violate it. That's the only righteousness the law could possibly offer. In Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 5, Jehovah said, You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. He shall live forever if he keeps the statutes and the judgments. Uh, he would never be guilty of sin. He would not, uh, he would not earn the wage of sin, which is death. Okay, that's the righteousness of the law. Perfect living. Jesus lived. The only person that ever did. But uh, he fulfilled the righteousness of the law, thus qualifying him to be an atonement for our sins. And the righteousness of faith, on the other hand, it's a different matter. It speaks in this way. This, of course, applies to both Jew and Gentile. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. Do not say uh, who will who'll go to heaven and, and bring Christ down to earth. Do not say, uh, well, that's what he said there, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. Do not say you have to go up to heaven and bring Christ down or go down into the abyss and bring Christ up in order to obtain justification. You don't have to do that. You don't have to encounter him face to face. Uh, that's not what the righteousness of faith says. What does it say? What does the righteousness of faith say? It says the word is near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. You don't have to go to heaven and bring Christ down to be forgiven of sin. You don't have to go to the abyss and bring Christ up to be forgiven of sin. Why? Because the word is near. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. And through the word, you can attain the faith in Christ that is necessary to find justification from sin. You don't have to have a personal encounter like some did. Uh, you do that by faith. Okay. And if you confess with your mouth, this again, of course, is the righteousness of faith. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
if you confess with your mouth, if you believe in your heart, if you truly believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. What is the righteousness of faith? Believing that God raised Jesus from the dead. That's the righteousness of faith. The person who does that shall be pardoned. The person who can't believe uh, will, will not. It's not about law keeping. Thank God that's the case. How, how many of us have struggled with the fact that we're not perfect? How many times have we considered ourselves to be too sorry to be saved? How many times have we thought, I'll never make it to heaven because I'm nowhere near good enough? I think most all of us have probably fought that fight in a big chunk of our lives, and we did so in vain because it's not about law-keeping. We keep the law because we believe in the Son of God, but we know going in that we're not going to keep the law perfectly, the Lord said if we claim we do, we are a liar, and we make a liar out of God. He told us not to even entertain that thought, that we live perfect lives. What do we do? Well, when we, when we sin, we confess our faults, and God will forgive us of our faults. A long time ago, preachers labeled that the second law of pardon. First law was uh, forgiveness through uh, faith, repentance, and immersion in water. The second law of pardon is when the child of God confesses a fault from an honest and sincere heart, and the Lord will forgive that person again. Okay? Uh, that's what the righteousness of faith is. I'm, I'm so happy it's not because of law-keeping. I don't know how many laws I fail to keep, but uh, I'm sure glad I don't, I don't have to depend on that to be saved. Uh, I, I believe, and that's, uh, that's good enough with my, my father. For with a heart one believes unto righteousness, leading unto righteousness, with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. Uh, these are the keys of uh, the righteousness of faith. This is what uh, demonstrates to me that I have faith because uh, I pursue it. In Luke uh, chapter 8 and verse 11, Jesus said the seed is the word of God. According to James, in James chapter 1 verse 21, the word is implanted in the heart. Uh, it's a seed implanted in the heart and then the word begins to grow this is the idea it may not grow it depends on the, the person okay some people are stony some people uh, have got uh, weeds and things and some people are good ground well when the, the seed the word of God is implanted in the good heart that seed will grow and develop and will we'll become a very strong and solid faith in the heart. And because this person now has so much faith in the heart, uh, they're, going to, uh, they're going to demonstrate 
that faith through the things that they do. They're going to bear fruit, as the Lord said in Matthew 13, 23. For example, uh, faith, the righteousness will be seen through the way a person speaks. It'll be seen through the things a person engages in with the hands. It'll be seen by where a person goes with the feet. When the heart is a heart of faith, it's going to be revealed through our actions and our words. People are going to see what we believe by the way we live because that's the way faith operates. That's the fruit that faith bears. For with a heart, one believes under righteousness. First, there is belief. Secondly, there is righteousness. With a mouth, confession is made unto salvation. First, there is belief. Secondly, there is confession. Everything is stemmed on faith. And faith, of course, is found in the heart, in a good heart, not every heart. We'll, uh, we'll have to stop right here. And uh, Lord willing, we'll, uh, we'll take up again uh, next week with verse 11.